Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. million tonnes. Do you know how heavy that is? It's the equivalent to around a million African elephants. And I think you'd know about it if one of those stood on your toe. According to recent data, that's how much food UK households throw away every single year. 9.5 million tonnes. Food waste is an issue that came up countless times in the conversations I had for our last episode, Will We Ever Get Our Diet Right?, we throw away much, much too much food. And in fact, I blame food writers like me for part of this problem. Food writer Xanthi Clay was just one of the people who raised the issue. But beyond the food industry, is food waste talked about enough by everyday people? I don't think it is. In an age of climate change, there's so much talk around cutting emissions, moving to renewable energy, sustainable fuels and what we eat. But the simple act of putting food in the bin is almost subconscious. I scrape endless unwanted meals that have been rejected by my toddlers into the food caddy. And once a week, I give the fridge a good clear out, inevitably chucking away leftovers, barely used tubs of hummus and sometimes, to my shame food that hasn't been opened at all. It's something I really should be more conscious of, especially because the emissions that come from the food we throw away are comparable to 10 million cars. Or to put it a different way, a third of the cars that are on the road at any given moment. I'm Grace Farrell, and this week's Witch Investigates asks, why are we so wasteful with our food? Investigates is brought to you by the UK's Consumer Champion. We work to make life simpler, fairer and safer for everyone. After two successful seasons, we're back with new episodes every fortnight as we dive deeper into the issues that matter to you. If you've got something you'd like us to investigate, why not get in touch? Find us at Witch UK on social media or you can email us at podcasts at witch.co.uk. Coming up, we discover the scale of the problem. It was estimated in this UN report a while ago that if food waste was a country, then it would be the third highest emitter of greenhouse gases after America and China. And so you kind of see that and you think, wow, like, this is something we need to tackle. I find out which foods are more likely to be thrown out. 
I was quite surprised when I researched food waste about just how much is thrown away and the impact that it has. And, you know, there are certain foods that are most commonly thrown away. So every day in the UK, we throw away 20 million slices of bread and 4.4 million potatoes. Now, these are huge, huge numbers. But where does the solution start? I think we are a lot of living in denial here. Many people think that we are not aware enough or we're not educated enough and therefore the solution is more awareness and more education. I don't really believe in that. I think that most people know that you shouldn't waste food and I don't think people are stupid, which means that they probably know that, so to say, they are doing something bad. They just don't want to realize that they are part of the problem. At the start of today's investigation, I thought I'd hop on a call. I'd been researching food waste, looking at various studies, and there was one man whose name kept coming up. I fired off an email to him, and within minutes, a reply popped into my inbox. He was happy to chat, so what followed next was a call to Sweden. My name is Mattias Eriksson, and I work as an associate professor at the Swedish University of Agricultural Science in Uppsala in Sweden at the Department of Energy and Technology. Mattias is a leading figure in food waste research. And if you want to paint a picture of exactly where he was talking to me from, Uppsala is an hour's drive north of Stockholm, and it's home to one of the largest cathedrals in Northern Europe. I asked Matthias for his thoughts on how big the global food waste problem really is. If you ask me, I will say it's a big issue. I think we are a lot of living in denial here. Many people think that we are not aware enough or we're not educated enough, and therefore the solution is more awareness and more education. I don't really believe in that. I think that most people know that you shouldn't waste food, and I don't think people are stupid, which means that they probably know that so to say, they are doing something bad. They just don't want to realize that they are part of the problem. We like to have cheap food. We like to have food that is available all the time. Something tells me this isn't the first time our thirst for convenience will come up as a leading cause of food waste. We'll hear plenty more from Matthias on today's episode. But first, though, let's look specifically at the UK, because our colossal mountain of food waste is actually bigger than most other countries. So in the UK, around 20% of the food we buy ends up as food waste, which is kind of incredible if you think about it, right? That's one fifth of the food that we buy. Imagine if we could save a fifth on our grocery bills. Like I think a lot of people would probably sign up for that right now. Kelly Oakes is a science journalist and has written on this subject many times over recent years. She also has a mind-blowing stat which really illustrates the scale of the problem. It was estimated in this UN report a while ago that if food waste was a country, then it would be the third highest emitter of greenhouse gases after America and China. And so you kind of see that and you think, wow, like, this is something we need to tackle. According to the Energy Savings Trust, approximately 8 to 10 percent of the world's greenhouse gas emissions relate to food waste. So what is it about this waste that warms our atmosphere? Time for some science and some more eye-watering numbers. The main emissions related to food waste are CO2 and methane. Global data shows that 1.3 gigatons of edible food is wasted every single year. This equates to 3.3 gigatons of CO2. 
This then means that for every one kilogram of food waste, just over 2.5 kilograms of CO2 is given off. And if it ends up in landfill, the problem gets even worse because decomposing food generates methane, which is 25 times more potent than CO2. And then there's the emissions. Take an avocado, for example, where some parts of the world require 320 litres of water to grow a single fruit. Then imagine you leave that avocado in the fruit bowl for too long, which I know is easily done. It goes off and heads straight to the bin. Up in Sweden, Matthias agrees that to accurately track food waste emissions, we need a full overview of the food production methods of different items. We can say there's two problems. The first problem is food in general. I mean, all food that we eat generates emissions when it's produced. But then we have the other part of the problem, and that is if food waste is landfilled, which it is in many countries in the world. I've already mentioned the UK doesn't stack up well when it comes to food waste. According to Statista, we're firmly in the top 10 of worst offenders, just below France and ahead of Russia. Germany and Japan also waste more than us. But miles ahead, at the very top of the undesirables list, are the USA, India and China. Kelly made a good point when we were chatting, though, because it isn't necessarily the case that each country is wasting food in the same way. The big split here is kind of the difference between high-income countries and lower-income countries. And in high-income countries like the UK, we tend to waste more food at sort of a household level, whereas in a lower income country, it might be a lack of infrastructure, perhaps a lack of refrigeration. It should be said that during lockdown, food waste levels dropped dramatically. People reported throwing 30% less food in their bins, thanks to careful food shopping and creative cooking. And also no doubt because so much food, like pasta and flour, was just missing from the shelves. Now, not all foods are equal when it comes to food waste. Here's Shafali Loth, a nutritionist as well as the principal food researcher and writer at Witch, who you'll probably remember from our last episode. I was quite surprised when I researched food waste about just how much is thrown away and the impact that it has. And, you know, there are certain foods that are most commonly thrown away. So every day in the UK, we throw away 20 million slices of bread and 4.4 million potatoes. Now, these are huge, huge numbers. Imagine how many sandwiches we could make with 20 million slices of bread. For the next part of my investigation, I'm going to bring in Hannah Downs, who works with me at Witch. Thanks for joining us, Hannah. Now, my first question is, how guilty are you of wasting food? So I, I do try to meal plan at the start of the week. I'll, I'll kind of do a food shop on a Sunday or a Monday. But I do find myself towards the end of the week sometimes throwing away some fresh fruit and veg. And I do live alone. So sometimes it's kind of hard to eat everything that I've bought at the start of the week. So, yeah, I am guilty for it. Yeah, I mean, I am too. To be honest, I sort of went through a period of really trying not to waste food. And then it, I think it just sort of slipped after COVID. So there's definitely stuff I need to do to improve. So you're going to be popping up over the next few episodes, actually, helping out on our waste investigations. So who have you been speaking to about this so far? So, yeah, I was really interested in the idea of personal responsibility and how we can 
reduce our own food waste footprint at home. So I spoke to Catherine Jensen-Boyd, who is a consumer psychologist, and she's recently been involved in a project aimed at reducing the amount of food we throw away. So yeah, I asked her to tell me more about it. What we wanted to do is we wanted to see if we could change people's sort of habits at home. So we used very simple strategies. We used mapping charts whereby people could log everything they bought in terms of fruit and vegetables. And then they had to also record how much they threw out on a weekly basis and just kind of putting it at the forefront of people's minds so that they were thinking about it seemed to have a, a really, really good outcome. And we actually found, and this is absolutely astonishing, that if they measured the kind of fresh produce waste for six weeks, and that's not a very long time, people actually reduced roughly the usage of fruit and vegetables by around 108 grams a week. So basically what we can say overall is by making people think about what they were doing, we could ensure that they reduce their fresh produce by a quarter. And a quarter, if we could do that across every British household, would be a phenomenal amount of food waste reduced. That's a huge amount of food, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And all that really needed to happen to make people kind of think about um, their food waste was kind of encouraging people to log every time they threw something away. Yeah. And didn't you also say there's a cost side to it as well, which is obviously important given rising prices at the moment? Yeah, that's right. So Catherine told me that they found another happy consequence of the reduction in waste. In the study we conducted, and we found that basically people reduced the fresh produce by a quarter. So it could vary depending on the size of the household from anything as small as two pounds per week, but it could also be up to as much as 30 or 35 pounds a week. Now, with the increase in costs recently, it's difficult to say exactly, but I would estimate maybe that goes up from four pounds a week to maybe 40, 45 pounds a week. But do bear in mind that's just for fruit and vegetables. If you could reduce all the food waste within your household, a larger household can probably save somewhere in the region of 50, 60, maybe even 70 pounds a week, depending on what their starting costs are. So there's definitely a lot of money that could be saved. Really interesting. Well, thanks so much, Hannah. We'll hear more from you later on. First, though, a quick break, and then we'll look at the possible solutions to the problem, including how you could even start getting your lunch or dinner for free. More after this. Hello, I'm Lucia, the host of the Witch Money podcast. Each week, we're here with the very best advice to help you through the cost of living crisis and make your money go further. With new episodes out every Friday, we cover everything from energy bills to pensions and property to help you get the best deals and ensure you're not getting ripped off. Just search Witch Money wherever you get your podcasts. This week, 
week on Witch Investigates, we're asking if cutting food waste could save the planet. We've already heard the scale of the problem, and a few minutes ago, how one recent experiment aimed to change our wasteful habits. Next, though, I'm revisiting something we explored on a previous series of Witch Investigates, the issue of food packaging. In our very first episode ever, we asked, is plastic packaging really that bad? I'll put a link to that episode in the description of this one, by the way. So could packaging help reduce our food waste problem? Many packages, if it actually reduces food waste, then it might be a good thing, especially for resource-demanding products like meat or cheese or stuff like this. I mean, there a package might be really worth it to reduce the food waste and really keep it for longer time. The problem is if we have a lot of resource-demanding packages that creates a lot of waste, that are still not reducing the waste, then we have a solution that doesn't really solve any problem. Matthias makes a good point. The packaging might make the food last longer, making it less likely to end up in the bin. But if we produce lots of greenhouse gases in the process of making that packaging in the first place, are we any better off? In Sweden, it's very common to discuss the plastic on the cucumbers because normally we sell all the cucumbers in the supermarkets in plastic packaging. And this makes them last a lot longer. But the problem is, of course, does this really reduce food waste? And more importantly, do we really need to eat cucumbers all year long? And that's another point worth mentioning. We live in a world of convenience. And when it comes to our food choices, the world's our oyster. I mean, it literally could be an oyster. I think if you look, I don't know, two, three generations back, people were wasting a lot less food because they had a lot less to choose from. They had to work a lot harder to actually get the food they needed for their survival. And of course, if food is very accessible, very cheap, then we have very little reason to not waste it. I mean, it's easy to overconsume. Matthias is right. If we know we can easily replace an apple that looks a bit bruised or pop down to the shops for a new box of cereal whenever we like, is there much motivation to make the most of what we already have? Let's turn our attention to the supermarkets themselves. Arguably, they profit from our overconsumption. So what's their stance on food waste? When we were researching food waste, we did speak to the supermarkets to see what they were doing to reduce food waste. And there are a couple of things they've done. So actually, a lot of supermarkets have improved their packaging to increase shelf life. For example, you might see that meat is now vacuum packed as opposed to just in plastic trays. And the co-op told us that their steaks, which are vacuum packed, have had their shelf life increased to 15 days, and that's halved waste for them, which is a great outcome. Other things that supermarkets are doing is they've removed best before dates from lots of products. So that's a step in the right direction, especially since meat is one of the most carbon-intensive food products. But that vacuum packaging that the meat now comes in, don't forget it's still plastic and needs to be produced as sustainably as possible. Earlier this year here at Witch, we sifted through the annual reports of all the major supermarkets to find out what they were doing to lessen their impact on the environment. Hannah's back with me. So what did we find? In this investigation, we found that both Lidl and Waitrose finished joint top in our overall table as the greenest supermarkets. But while Lidl's carbon emissions are lower than almost all the other supermarkets, it was near the bottom of the table for its food waste. 
And who really needs to improve? Iceland actually was sat at the bottom of of the table in our analysis. So it performed worst on greenhouse gas emissions by quite a far way, which might be due to its focus on frozen food, which requires energy hungry cold storage. It also uses most plastic relative to the number of items sold. But one positive for Iceland was that it did relatively well on food waste. Thanks, Hannah. It sounds like a bit of a mixed bag, but hopefully a work in progress. Just so you know, I'll put a link to that witch research in the description of today's show. Now, supermarkets clearly still have a long way to go. But what can we do on an individual level to reduce our waste? Here's what Shafali told me about her own habits in the kitchen. What I've started to do at home is plan my meals. So at the beginning of the week or just before the weekend, I will work out a food plan for what meals we're going to eat as a family in the coming seven days. And then because I do my food shop online, I only order what I need for those meals. Now, obviously things happen in the week, you know, we might end up getting a takeaway or eating out or going to a friend's house. So if that happens, and I know that we're going to have extra ingredients that I'm not going to be able to use in time, then I make sure I freeze them. Hmm. Could the humble freezer hold the key then? Back to Shafali. I think we underutilize our freezers. I think people often think, oh, you can't freeze certain things, but actually most foods can be frozen. You can freeze bread, you can freeze milk, you can freeze fresh chicken and fresh fish. And then once they're in the freezer, you can save them and use them at a later date. And this avoids food waste later on. Ah, see, if only I had a bigger freezer and didn't have to dedicate a whole section of it to ice cubes. Actually, before we go out and buy bigger freezers, it's worth remembering that they do contain hydrofluorocarbons, which are gases that exist in most cold appliances and air conditioners. They can sometimes leak, and this is a problem given that they then stay in our atmosphere for almost 30 years, and the emissions they produce are equal to driving long distance in an average family-sized car. Then there's also the energy that's needed to keep freezers running. But all said and done, most of us have them, so we probably should make better use of them. And Kelly Oakes agrees with Shafali that planning our meals is key. People don't necessarily plan their meals. They don't necessarily have a look in the fridge and see what they've got before going out to the shop to buy ingredients for dinner that night. It's that sort of just checking inventory, I think they called it, which is really a key factor in not wasting what you've got already. If there's one lesson I'm going to take away from today's episode, it's this. To make more of what I've already got in my house. And in all fairness, I don't exactly need an excuse to turn those overripe bananas into banana bread again. For the food that really does need to go in the bin, we've got this advice. What we would say is if your local authority offers a food recycling service or a food waste collection service, please, please, please do use it. Now, there are two types. Um, One is where you may have a food bin that you put food in and your local authority will collect that on a weekly basis. And often this food is then either turned into compost or if you have a separate food waste collection that is a small bin provided by your local authority that they collect on a weekly basis, 
they take away that food and they put it into an anaerobic digestion machine, which basically creates energy from food waste. And it's really, really impressive. With renewable energy being top of the agenda, this is brilliant. I'm all for a future where my mouldy cheese helps power my home. To finish today, I want to talk about something I wasn't actually aware of until very recently. Over the last year or so, an increasing number of food waste apps have sprung up, all giving users the chance to intercept food from businesses, sometimes even supermarkets, which otherwise would have been thrown away. These foods are often just about to expire, which is why you can get them cheaply, or in many cases, for free. So are these apps really practical? Well, last year, my colleague took on a rather unusual challenge. Harry, hello, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? I caught up with my colleague Harry in the office the other day. He attempted to live off food acquired solely from food waste apps for a whole week. But how did he get on? And ultimately, would he recommend it? So I'd seen these apps around which promised to unite you with this lost food that would otherwise go to landfill. And what I wanted to do was to see whether it was actually a way of living. Is it just a bit of a gimmick or is it something that we could actually use to change our shopping habits for the better? And and how do these apps actually work then? So the main one I used was Too Good To Go, which has become even more popular since. And that basically allows, say, Starbucks, Costa Coffee, Cafe Nero to list the food uh, in magic bags on their website that is going to go off that day. And so five bags will appear on the app. You bid on them. You pay a fraction of what you would have paid. Say it was valued at 15. You pay five pounds and you turn up. You get the magic bag, often around closing time, and you have no idea what's going to be in it. You open it up, usually it's a collection of sandwiches and cakes and stuff like that. But most of it, if not all of it, will have a best before of that day or the day after and otherwise would have gone straight in the bin. Right, and I guess it it comes down to your attitude as well towards eating food that's slightly out of date like where, mm-hmm. where do you stand on that i um i'm very loosey-goosey on the use by rules um i come from a family of people who will take food from the bin to save uh let alone catching it before it gets in there um but yeah and, and use by dates of course we're supposed to follow those since that uh, experiment actually a lot of com- companies have changed their use by dates to best before dates for yogurts for example so there was something that you once would have said never eat it after this date is now eh, maybe you can eat it after this date um the smell test is what i rely on a lot right right and so can we talk more about the kind of the diet that you managed to have throughout the week because you say mm. it's mostly bread and sandwiches did you manage to eat any fruit or veg i it took me about five days before I could track down some fruit or veg. Uh, I was pretty kind of on the on the edges of scurvy by that point. Uh, but I managed to find this app called Olio, which was really good, and it's um, completely free. And what that does is it works mostly with supermarkets and a system of volunteers who will collect a load of food which is at the use-by date, at the best-before date, um, and that varies from you know pastries like the other app, but things like uh, roasted vegetable packets or stir fries. They collect those, they chuck them on the app late at night and people collect them for absolutely free. 
So do you have any idea how much money roughly you might have saved throughout the week? So we added it up. And if I'd paid full price for everything I ate, and I only ate on these apps, it would have been about £120. So I saved uh, £95 uh, in total, which was, I mean, it was incredible. Uh, a huge amount of money saved. What, what would you say is the best thing you ate all week? I think the best discovery was a uh, chicken tikka masala ready meal on top of reduced to clear Yorkshire puddings. The combination of that was fantastic. And I've eaten it since because of that. It, it, you wouldn't think it would work, but it is incredible. Well, chicken tikka masala on a Yorkshire pudding is definitely a new one for me. And I'm not going to lie, it sounds delicious. And it's refreshing to hear how creatively some brands are tackling the food waste crisis. I should say too, if you're also a food waste app user and have discovered an even weirder combo than tikka masala on a Yorkshire pudding, do drop us an email at podcasts at witch.co.uk. I asked Matthias in Sweden if he thought these apps could help solve the problem we've been investigating. I like all ideas that creates this kind of secondhand market for food, kind of providing them a longer life and sort of say, let the food meet its consumers somewhere. Because I think it's better that food is kept alive in this way. It's actually sold. It's not just given away for free normally. It's definitely a start. But as we've heard today, there's really a long way to go. Food waste is still a huge problem. The emissions are still a massive contributor to global warming. And as such, I'll definitely be thinking twice before binning last night's dinner in the future. Thanks for listening to this episode of Witch Investigates. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with our next podcast. But if you enjoyed today, please spread the word and leave us a rating and a review. Over the next two episodes, we're sticking with sustainability. Next up, we're looking at what we can do with our unwanted tech. And then we'll be delving into the world of fast fashion. Feel free to email us your feedback. And thanks to those who already have done that. We love hearing from you. Don't forget to take a listen to our other podcasts as well. Just search for Witch Money and Witch Shorts wherever you're listening. And we also have a host of free email newsletters which are packed with expert advice and tips that will save you money. You can sign up at witch.co.uk forward slash newsletters. Today's episode was presented by me, Grace Varell, written and produced by Rob Lilly and Hannah Downs. Editing and original music is by Eric Breer, and our executive producer is Angus Farker. Special thanks this week go to Shafali Loth and everyone else here at Witch. And I'll be back soon for our next investigation. 